No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by Inspiration for Today. I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes and we're going to declare together. Let's just say, repeat after me Open heavens over my life. Father, I ask you that you would speak to my heart, that you would give me the mind of Christ, and that you would do anything in my life that is needing the changing now. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon is entitled, Place Your Life Before God. Place your life before God. And I think it's imperative that we all, um, in order to live the blessing that God has for us, to place our lives before God. And I had a neighbor who used to make her own clothing. She would buy a pattern. And on the pattern, for any people who sew, you would know that there's a picture of your desired garment you want to make on the, on the pattern. And then if you go inside the pattern, uh, all the pattern pieces that you lay out, I would watch her lay out these pattern pieces put the material there, pin it together, and then cut. But in order for it to work out the way it should work out, it was important, imperative, that she followed the instructions correctly. And then every day she would do a little bit more to continue to sew and put this garment together. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Um, another version says, and I think the version you're looking at says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know. It's not until we change the way I think, the way we think. It is only once we do that, we will learn to know God's will for our life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But we will not find that until we actually refuse to conform to the patterns, the customs, the traditions of this world. And instead, we allow God to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. So Romans 12 tells us not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, we have God's way and we have the world's way. And there are two different examples I can give you. The first one would be if you follow God's way. Some, for some of us, we grew up in a Christian home. And so from little, we only knew and understood God's way. So whatever we did, it was from the rearing or the growing up and be teaching of our family God's way. When we stepped into the world, into school, we were challenged with the world's way. But embedded inside of us was God's way. 
You understand what I'm saying? For others, now, even though you grow up in a, a godly home, you still have to make, it's not your inheritance until you ask God to come and be your savior. We, we understand that, right? You're not a Christian because your mom's a Christian. It's, you're Greek because your dad was Greek, but you understand what I'm saying. You, don't in a, you grow up in a home, but there comes a point where you must make the decision for yourself. But you are familiar with God's way. For others of us, we didn't grow up in, in a Christian home, and we were familiar with the world's way. Until that moment that we were impacted by the Holy Spirit and convicted and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then we were transformed. Our mind was renewed and we were transformed and we now have to learn how to do life God's way. And that's why it is important that we read the Word of God every day, that we pray, that we Come to church and allow the word to continually, continuously minister to us. That is why cell is important because we are sitting in a place where we are continually being taught. And so now as our minds are renewed, the important thing is that we change the way we think in order to do things God's way. However, the continuous challenge is the world the world's way, and what we were familiar with. So whether we're in this place or whether we're in this place, the patterns of this world are continually coming at us. Now, there is a pattern we follow to do God's way, and there is a pattern, like when you sow, to doing it the world's way. And as a Christian, we should never apologize for doing things God's way. We should never apologize for that. When people come and they say things like, you are intolerant, you, all those funny things, we say, no, you, you do it the world's way. We do it God's way. And it's not judging. It's just we can't conform to the patterns of this world when we have been renewed. Our mind has been renewed, and God has changed the way we think, and now we do it the world's way. Do you understand? Now, society always has an excuse for why people behave badly. There is a generalization and an excuse. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever heard of the oldest child syndrome? Some of the older children's backs have gone straight and they're waiting to hear. The generalization of an oldest child is that they grew up in a home where the parents were extremely strict and controlling. And as a result, they had to rebel to get out of the control of their parents. I'm hearing all the oldest children giggle. Have you ever heard of the middle child syndrome? The middle child syndrome is often they didn't fit into the old. It's the oldest child and it's the youngest child. And so they felt like they didn't fit anywhere. And so they isolated themselves, the middle child syndrome. Have you ever heard of the youngest child syndrome? The one, <laughs> the one, you mouth not cheer after I say this. <laughs> the one who got away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> you see the generalizations already. 
Have you ever heard of the black sheep of the family syndrome? <laughs> and I, I read something funny this week. It, it said, if you don't know who it is in the family, it's probably you. <laughs> no, it's where the person never feels accepted. They always feel rejected. And so they will say, I am the black sheep of the family. And then you get the only child syndrome. And the only child syndrome generalization is that they don't share, they are spoiled, um, and they don't know how to relate to other people. But really, all these things are actually just generalizations and actually have more to do with human nature than with the order of birth. Now let's look at culture, traditions. Every culture has an excuse for why they do a certain thing. Um, for some cultures, they will say it is in their culture, even as Christians, to pray to the ancestors. In other cultures, they will say it is okay in their culture, even as a Christian, to read their stars, to believe their horoscope as truth. Now listen to what Genesis says. This is the, um, the message version, and it says this. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, said, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, like good eating, and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. You see, up until this point, Eve was happy to do things God's way. She had never known any other way. But now, the serpent had come to present the world's way to her. And up until this point, she was ha happy with the pattern God had given her. But now she's presented with a different pattern, and it's the world's way, and she listens. Got to be very careful what we listen to. She listens, she opens herself up to another way, and she entertains it. We've got to be very careful what we entertain. We are sitting in places like school and university and work and with friends all the time, and they are saying things, and we are listening, and they are patterns that we are listening to, that we begin to cut our lives out to. And they are either patterns of this world or God's way, patterns, God's pattern. It continues. It says, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. You see, we never sin on our own. Isn't it interesting? We now get someone else and we say the same thing we heard that made us entertain it like it's not bad. And the other person goes, that's true. We do it as Christians. She took and ate the fruit and gave some to her husband, and he ate, and immediately the two of them did see what's really going on. They saw themselves naked. Immediately shame came in. 
If you read this, shame and fear, I'm not going to read the rest, I'm going to tell you. Literally, they sewed clothes because they were ashamed. And then they heard God coming for his daily walk with them. His daily time of walking and an intimate relationship. You know when someone wants to see you every day because they love you. And he comes and they hide because now shame and fear have stepped into their lives. And God says to them immediately, the woman says to him, um, the man and the woman hide. And God said, he said, we hid because we were naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Their eyes were opened, but now they could see evil. They'd opened themselves up to the world's way. And so you see, every person believes there are things in their lives that is all right to do. It's, it's not okay for others because they're weaker. But I'm strong. I can do this. I know how to handle this. This, this thing won't affect me. But it's a deception. And we are, so all, all, we are all so easily deceived. We go near to things we shouldn't, and we think we'll be okay. You know, in the garden, Adam and Eve were told not to eat that tree of good and evil. They were told they could eat of any other tree. Now imagine how big the garden was. Imagine how much they could eat from and how good it was to eat from it. But now when the serpent shows her just one fruit, it becomes where her attention lies. It becomes what she entertains. You know, I've heard many people say when they get to heaven, they're going to hunt down Adam and Eve. I'm sure all of us have at least said that once in our lives too. But you know, I just imagine when we find them, they, they will be in their glorious clothes, right? Because God will all clothe us in our glorious new body, right? But I think with Adam and Eve, he may just have them clothed in glorious mirrors. So that when we want to attack them, we see ourselves. Isn't it? We see our fallen nature. Not in heaven, we won't have a fallen nature. But the point is, in our humanity, we have a fallen nature. And how easily we can choose deception. We know relationships are wrong, and yet we stay close. We know lies are wrong, and yet we stay close to the things that will cause us to lie. It is within our fallen nature to please ourselves all the time. That's who we want to please. That is why Jesus said, die to yourself, die to yourself. We don't like to die to ourselves. It is in our fallen nature to please ourselves all the time. It is within our nature to want our way regardless of the cost which we are blinded to. Have you ever seen a toddler? They want to touch a bee and you know what's coming. Or they want to put something in their mouth that is full of bacteria and they're going to get sick. Or they want to run across a busy road and there are cars coming. 
They are oblivious to the cost or the consequences and will generally throw the biggest tantrum if you take them away from that thing that's going to cause destruction. A loving parent keeps them from harming themselves and yet they throw the biggest tantrum. They don't stop and go, Mommy, tell me what you saw that I didn't see. They sulk and hate you for an extended period of time instead. The toddler nature doesn't change in our DNA as we grow up. We still touch things we shouldn't in the form of things that are addictive, that will destroy us, things that belong to other people, whether it is an item like money or a person. We put things in our mouth that we shouldn't, that are harmful to our well-being, our health, and our mind. And we still put ourselves in danger running after things and we can't see the coming danger. Then when a loving God comes along and he wants to remove us, we don't stop and say, Abba, Father, tell me what you see that I didn't see. Instead, we cry and sulk and blame God for all our problems. James 4 verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I saw a statement. It said this, You are not going to master the rest of your life in one day. Master the day then just keep doing that every day. How powerful is that? Because we, we go, oh, I need to do, and, we, and then we get so overwhelmed, and then we don't do anything. Is anyone like that? And God is saying, be disciplined. Do one day right. Conquer the day through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you get we can't do that in our own strength, right? So do it. Do it in the power and the strength of God. And then tomorrow we repeat. And then we repeat. And then we repeat. And we do that for 21 days at least. And suddenly we formed a habit in our lives. I don't know if you get I know when I mess up or I want to develop a good habit, I'm like, just do this for 21 days. If you can get this back into your system in 21 days, you will be, it'll start being normal. But we can't do it in our own strength, right? So just like a pattern has rules, like don't cut out on the fold, because if you cut out on the fold where the material is supposed to, to fold, yeah, I don't sew right, then you're not making the pattern correctly. It's going to not turn out the way it should. You're going to have to sew extra. Don't cut down the fold. The Bible has rules to follow so that we don't go near to the patterns of this world and get hurt and get our thinking hurt. Now, let me explain something. When we do things God's way, the Bible says, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and the generations that come forth from you will win. We can choose death, 
the wages of sin is death. Where there is life, there is blessing, so that you and your generation, your seed may be blessed. You may conquer. The opposite is destruction, but you can choose. When we choose the world's way, we think it's all right for us. We think we'll get away with it. We think it will be different for us. But when we do it, it's never different. It's a deceit. And we get hurt. We get hurt. We feel pain, right? We, f we think we're on top of things for a bit. But then we feel pain. Now, you need to understand the Jews from God had 613 laws a lot of laws to remember. 613 laws. I know I've shared this before, and for those of you who haven't heard, I always, when I read this, I'm always blown away that a pomegranate, the fruit, a pomegranate, has 613 pips in it. How incredible is God? Maybe he made it so the Jews could eat it and recite all the 613 laws. But then God came along and he gave 10 commandments. And I can guarantee you, if you look at the 10 commandments, those 613 laws are enveloped in the 10 commandments. But then some clever guy came to Jesus and said to him, oh, you know what, Jesus, can you just give us one? You know, we're so bad at keeping law. Give us one and we'll never, ever, ever, ever break it. And Jesus says, okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is exactly the same. It's still part of the first law. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we're like, oh, well, that's easy, except it's not. Because when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you obey all 613 commands. And when you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you do not do things that will hurt other people. And every time we sin, we hurt other people. And we go, it's my life, just leave me. It's not that simple, actually. Because leaving you means you're going to sin. First and foremost, you're going to hurt yourself, probably curse yourself. But then you're going to hurt other people. And so Mark 12, 29 is that commandment where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, your strength, and then equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, relationship is very important to God. Sin hurts you, and sin hurts people. When you steal, you curse yourself. The Bible tells us that. And when you steal, you hurt someone. When you lie, you hurt yourself first and foremost because you've hurt your character and you've hurt the person you've lied to. When you're in wrong relationships, you hurt yourself. You hurt your, your character. Loyalty is divided and someone gets hurt, including ourselves, right? Relationships are very important to God. Remember when we sin, it changes our thinking and makes us run away from God as we're filled with shame. And the world has rules like don't tithe, you were born this way, you're the oldest child, rebel, you're the middle child, isolate, you're the youngest child, do what you want, you're the black sheep of the family, you're so rejected and neglected. And we use these things as excuses to behave badly. We follow our patterns of our culture and our tradition to, and as an excuse when the Bible says, you will have no other God before me. 
and we pray to ancestors and we go and consult someone. In, in, in my culture, people actually in all cultures, I, I, I fix myself, in all cultures, when we lose a loved one, the first thing people do is break that law. Instead of loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and seeking Him in that deep place of pain, what do they do? You know, they go and consult someone about the dead. Isn't it? Oh, we're acting Christian in the church today. <laughs> Psalm 51 verse 2 says, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Jeremiah 33 verse 8 says, I will cleanse them from their sins against me and forgive them of all their sin of rebellion. Cleaning is a very tedious job. And all the ladies said, and all the guys said, thank you guys. We believe you also clean, right? When you clean, it brings about the most satisfying results. Everything looks good. But tomorrow, you have to do the work again to ensure that it's clean again and that it remains. And have you noticed as the day progresses, things get untidy, they get used, they get dirty, they're not packed away, and tomorrow we have to do that all again. We have to pack away, we have to wipe, we have to dust, we have to wash, we have to clean, right? Now... Have you noticed when no one comes into the room, you clean it, you clean the house and go away on holiday and then come back and no one's been there. Have you noticed the dust? How is that even possible? The dust is there. The problem wasn't the handy Andy. The problem wasn't what you used to clean. The problem was the atmosphere that just brings the dust. Ezekiel 36 verse 25 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. 1 John 1 9, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is faithful to clean us. And wash us and make us brand new in that moment we give our life to him. Yes? It is a complete divine miracle that God has made us into a brand new person. Now we have the challenge. Two challenges. One, the patterns of this world. And two, everyday life. What's in the atmosphere. So when it's following the patterns of this world, and that is because we desire satisfaction and pleasure, we get dirty again. The world's way is always covered with a veil, and the veil is to hide the consequences and leave us naked and ashamed. Then everyday life happens. Just like dust settles, no matter how much you cleaned it yesterday, everyday life naturally brings new dust and it needs to be cleaned again. And this is why the Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we freely admit that we've sinned and confess our sins, He's faithful and just, true to His own nature and promises, and will forgive us our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will, thought, and action. It says that he will 
continuously cleanse us. So just as the table needed to be wiped again, it was clean yesterday, but life happened. That's what Jesus does for us. As the patterns of this world come against us, as life happens around us, maybe our thinking was wrong. Maybe we had a wobble and we spoke negatively. Maybe we went back to the old because we know that as familiar. The disciples did that, you know. They were fishing. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And they followed him. And they lived the most blessed life. And then Jesus died. And they were like, I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. And Peter said, guys, I'm going to fish for fish. I'm going back to the old. And the other guys went, hey, we're coming with you. And so Jesus has to go back to the beach. He's now crucified. He's been raised from the dead. And where does Jesus go? He goes right back to their old. And he meets them there. And he calls them back to that place of fishing for men. I want to close with this. Gavin shared last week about a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in the act of adultery, which means she was caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> and she is pulled before Jesus. And Gavin spoke about where was the person she was caught in the act of adultery with. And they say she must be stoned to death because it's part of their law. And Jesus begins to write on the ground. He says, him who has not sinned, you may cast the first stone. And he begins to write in the ground. And then the men start to go. Let me read it from here. Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground with his finger. They listened to him and then began going out, conscience stricken one by one, from the oldest down to the last of them, till Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing there before him in the center of the court. Then Jesus raised himself up. He said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she answered, no one, Lord. She must have been so ashamed and embarrassed. Now she has to face Jesus. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go on your way and from now on, sin no more. You know, as I read this, as I listened to this last week, I was so struck that it said, when Jesus raised himself up, there was no longer condemnation. That is exactly what the cross did for us. That as he was raised up on that cross, his blood shed, he accused for nothing he'd done wrong. He, he, he became our sin. But when Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, where are your accusers? And he says to her, where's the man that's condemned you? And she can't go, well, I deserve it. I'm, uh, you know how we can be? He's asking her a direct question and she looks and she goes, there's no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. 
My blood has washed you clean. My blood is washing you clean continually every single day. And for all of us, because we get stuck in the patterns of this world, we get so condemned. The devil comes to condemn us. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us. His voice is very different. His voice says, Jesus has come to cleanse us from this sin. You are not able, but he is able. Turn to him. The voice of the devil through condemnation is, look at you, you're worthless. Yeah, you'll never, ever get it right. You're a mess up. Yes, what they said is true. It's true. It confirms every lie about you, every word spoken against you. And today as I close, I just simply want to say, which side are we? Because I know for, for most of us, for all of us here, possibly, we've given our lives to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. But are we doing things the world's way? Or are we choosing to do things God's way? And I want to close with this verse, two verses. It says this, Therefore, says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety. And you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, you shall be my mouthpiece. But do not yield to them. Let them return to you. Do not you to the people. And then Ezekiel 37 says, But I will save them out of their dwelling places, and from all their black backslidings in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. So shall be, they be my people, and I will be their God. And so whether we've backslidden, or maybe you're in a place where you have become so suspicious of God, you've distrusted Him on every single level of your life. Today we can come before him and say, Lord, I'm really sorry. Lord, I'm living in a place where I'm trying to do things your way, but I keep coming back to the world's way. And I don't know how, where Paul said, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I should do. Lord, help me in my humanity. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And the first part of the, the application this morning is simply this. In the quietness of your heart, where are you? Are you doing things the world's way? Are you doing things God's way? This morning, simply allow the Holy Spirit to show you and then ask, ask God to help you to do it God's way. Make a commitment this morning to do it God's way, which means, which means there are things you have to change. You've got to make the commitment here this morning within your heart to say, this is what I've been doing in the world's way. And now this morning, I make an exchange. Instead of doing that, I'm going to start doing this. So I'll give you an example. Maybe you're saying, I'm just not developing a rela relationship with God. I sleep late every morning. Instead of sleeping late, I'm going to get up an hour earlier. And I'm going to commit to reading the Word and praying and spending time, listen to worship music. That's what I'm saying, that you'd make an exchange.